So Chandra has selected a topic. He told me that there are two brothers who may or may not be here today, or one of which may or may not be here today, who are having a running argument about whether the ultimate realization is personal or impersonal. There are people who are not really aware of the full facts, who believe that the impersonal realization is the highest, but according to the Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam, the impersonal light, which is the goal of Gyanis and uh, impersonal yogis who want to merge and become one with it, that impersonal light is actually the, the glowing effulgence of the transcendental body of Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In fact, the cover of this book Srimad Bhagavatam gives a, uh, a, a complete pictorial representation of the entire existence. Here in the center is Krishna Loka or Goloka Vrindavan. Well, maybe I should start with us. Actually, we're too small <laughs> to be identified, but we're somewhere here in this little, what Srila Prabhupada, it's the material world, what Srila Prabhupada calls a cloud in the spiritual sky, because it's covered So we're here in, in, in the material world, and the, the, all these these little balls are all material universes. So all these universes are just that in that one little area. In and this is is the topmost spiritual planet, the planet of Krishna, known as. Goloka Vrindavan. And then there are other spiritual planets here there in, in which the presiding deity is Lord Narayan or Vishnu. And Lord Rama also has his planet like that, the different uh, manifestations of Krishna on their planets. But the, the highest planet is this, Goloka Vrindavan. And if you see, uh, there's a section in Goloka Vrindavan where Lord Chaitanya, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, who's also Krishna, uh, but in the mood of Srimati Radharani, in the, in the uh, form of a devotee. So there's, there, there are different sections in, uh, in Goloka, and in one section is Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So there are 
different categories of transcendentalists. Uh, the Gyanis, who were the philosophical speculators, they want to merge and become one with this spiritual effulgence, which is actually emanating from the beautiful transcendental form of Krishna. Then there's another um, partial but more full aspect of Krishna called the Paramatma. And that is the Lord within the heart of every living entity. So the yogis ultimate goal is to realize uh, the Paramatma feature of the Lord within the heart. That is actually Krishna. And the devotees, they aspire to serve and realize the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the Absolute Truth in full. So Srimad Bhagavatam, well, I'll read that verse. It's, it's one of the most important verses in, in Srimad Bhagavatam. Canto 1, Chapter 2, Divinity and Divine Service, Text 11. Please repeat after me. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Vadanti, Vadanti, they say, they say, tut, tut, that, that, tatvavida, tatvavida, the learned souls, the learned souls, tatvam, tatvam, the absolute truth, the absolute truth. Yat, yes. which, which, Gyanam, Gyanam, knowledge, knowledge, Advayam, Advayam, non-dual, non-dual, Brahmaiti, Brahmaiti, known as Brahman, known as Brahman, Paramatmaiti, Paramatmaiti. Known as Paramatma. Known as Paramatma. Bhagavan Iti. Bhagavan Iti. Known as Bhagavan. Known as Bhagavan. Shabyate. Shabyate. It's so sounded. It's so sounded. So we recite the, the verse. Vadanti tat tatvavidas. Tatvam Yajjanam Advayam Brahmeti Paramatmeti Bhagavan Iti Shabhyate Once more 
Vadanti tat tatvatitas. Vadanti tat tatvatitas. Tatvam yajdhyanam advayam. Tatvam yajdhyanam advayam. Brahmeti paramatmeti. Brahmeti paramatmeti. Bhagavan iti shabhyate. Bhagavan iti shabhyate. Translation. Learned transcendentalists who know the absolute truth call this non-dual substance Brahman, Paramatma, or Bhagavan. Please repeat. Learned transcendentalists. Who know the absolute truth. Call this non-dual substance. Call this non-dual substance. Brahman. Brahman. Paramatma. Paramatma. Or Bhagavan. Or Bhagavan. Report by Shiva Prabhupada. The absolute truth is both subject and object. And there is no qualitative difference there. Therefore, Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan are qualitatively one and the same. The same substance is realized as impersonal Brahman by the students of the Upanishads. As localized Paramatma, by the Hiranyagarbhas or the yogis, and as Bhagavan by the devotees. In other words, Bhagavan, or the personality of Godhead, is the last word of the absolute truth. Paramatma is the partial representation of the personality of Godhead, and impersonal Brahman is the glowing effulgence of the personality of Godhead. As the sun rays are to the sun god. Less intelligent students of either of the above schools sometimes argue in favor of their own respective realization. But those who are perfect seers of the absolute truth know well that the above three features of the one absolute truth are different perspective views seen from different angles of vision. As it is explained in the first shloka verse of the first chapter of the Bhagavatam, the supreme truth is self-sufficient, cognizant, and free from the illusion of relativity. What does cognizant mean? Aware. In the relative world, the knower is different from the known. But in the absolute truth, both the knower and the known are one and the same thing. In the relative world, the knower is the living spirit or superior energy, whereas the known is inert matter or inferior energy. So in the beginning, Chandra mentioned that the, the, the first lesson in spiritual life, or the first instruction of the Bhagavad Gita, is that we, the living entity, are distinct from the physical body. Uh, as Chandra pointed out, 
the, the body that I had when that picture was taken. Some 50 years ago is different from the body I have now. But I, the spirit soul, am the same. I may not be able to do the things I used to do as a young lad, but I can rem remember I used to run and jump and play. So I'm the same person, but my body has changed. And the Bhagavad Gita uh, gives a very good uh, example. That Dehi Nosman Yata Dehe Komaram Yoganam Jara Jata Dehantara Prapti Tiras Tatsanamuvite. That just as the spirit soul in this life uh, goes from a uh, child's body to a youth's body to uh, an old person's body. Similarly, at the time of death, the living entity enters into another body. We've already passed through different bodies in this lifetime. If I were to show you pictures of three babies, you wouldn't be able to identify which was me because that baby's body and this body are completely different. So each and every one of us has already passed through various bodies, but we're still the same person. We, we, we can remember things from our past when we were in, in a different body. So at the time of death, we, the spirit, spiritual beings, uh, who just pass into another body. And what body we get will depend on our, our karma, our activities, and our consciousness at the time of death. The eighth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita gives an elaborate description of, of uh, the different factors at the time of death that determine the next life. And it's, it's very important for us to consider our next life because we won't be in this body very long, maybe a hundred years. Uh, for most people that would be the maximum. So where will we go? So that is a very important factor to consider. It's as if this body is an apartment that we are occupying. And we get a notice that we have to vacate this apartment. So a foolish person won't consider that he has to vacate the apartment very soon and he'll just be busy decorating the apartment and making all arrangements for his comfort or her comfort in the apartment. But there's no plan for when he or she has to vacate. So we should be uh, thoughtful, we should be intelligent, we should be foresighted and consider where are we going to go when we leave this body. Now if we take the example of the apartment, if someone has been uh, irresponsible and has not been earning money and has not been um, saving money, then he or she won't be able to afford a very good place. 
so they may have to move into a lesser place than they've been occupying. But someone who's been very diligent and, and earning and saving can move into a better apartment. So in the same way, depending on how we live our life, we will may get a better body in our next life. Better means more highly evolved or a worse body, which may mean uh, less evolved or more unfortunate. So what is the currency that determines our ability to get a better apartment? That currency is uh, our well, ultimately Krishna consciousness, it's our uh, pious activities. If we engage in pious activities, we can, can be promoted. If we engage in sinful activities, sinful activities means vicious activities against the laws of God, we'll be demoted or degraded. And if we engage in spiritual activities of bhakti yoga, then we can be completely liberated from the cycle of birth and death, and we won't have to take birth in this material world again. But we go to Krishna. And in many places in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna tells us how we can do that. But one important verse is spoken by the Lord, Krishna. Janma karma chame devyam evam yo veti takvataha chakya deham purnar janma naiti mam so arjuna. So the Lord says, Janma, Janma means birth, karma means activities, chame my divyam, transcendental. One who understands the transcendental nature of Krishna's birth or appearance in this world and activities. Janma karma chame divyam evam yo veti tattvatada. Who understands it in truth. Tattvata means in truth, not just superficially, but in truth. After giving up this body, Purnar Janma, uh, repeated birth, Chakvadeham, Purnar Janma, Naiti, no more repetition of birth and death, but Mamaiti, he will come to me. So that is our goal. And that's part of why we have these discussions, so we can understand Krishna in truth. Uh, because if we can do that, then we don't have to take birth in this material world. Now someone may say, well, what's wrong with taking birth in the material world? I'm taking birth in the material world, and I'm happy. I'm enjoying. Um, that there, there could be some truth to that, but our pleasure in this material world is always mixed with pain. We, we cannot, in this physical body, experience pure, unadulterated pleasure. Of course, the pleasure that we experience due to the uh, contact of the senses with the objects of the senses is a relatively low grade of pleasure anyway. It cannot compare with the spiritual pleasure that realized devotees experience or even beginning devotees. But even if you take it as pleasure, uh, it's temporary. It's, it's very temporary. 
So we want uh, everlasting pleasure, and that can come uh, in, in, in the spiritual body. So, okay, spiritual body, now what's that? Well, we, as, as uh, we've been discussing, we are actually the spirit soul. We are not the body. As long as the soul is in the body, there's life. We say the body is alive, but actually the body is never actually alive. Because the body is a machine. It functions as long as there's a person to operate it. And if the person leaves the machine, then the machine won't work. So that person who makes the machine of the body work is us. That's the spiritual soul. And that spiritual soul is by nature eternal, full of bliss, and full of knowledge. And the body, by nature, is the opposite. Asat, temporary, achit, full of ignorance, and nirananda, full of misery. So this material body is not a very happy place. Uh, the Bhagavad Gita actually says that knowledge means, uh, knowledge includes being aware, being conscious, being cognizant of the miseries of this body. Janma Mrtujara Vyadi, Dukkadosana should always be aware of the miseries of this repetition of birth, death, old age, and disease. So someone may say, well, what's wrong with material life? What's wrong with having a physical body? But material life and a physical body mean these miseries, birth, death, old age, and disease. You can ask someone, you say, okay, you say you like material life, but do you like becoming old? No. Do you like getting disease? No. Do you want to die? No. So that's material, that's what having a material body entails. So that spiritual spark that's us, that's our actual identity. When we become self-realized or God-realized, that develops into a full-fledged spiritual body which we can, with which we can serve uh, Krishna in the spiritual world. And that can also be understood indirectly at least, because in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says that the body is like dress. That just, that just as a person discards his old and useless dress and puts on a new dress, similarly the living entity discards this material body uh, when it becomes old and useless and and gets another body. So taking that analogy of, of dress, of clothing, so our clothing has a shape. Like all the men here, they have shirts and pants. They're, they're, the shirt has a shape, the pants has a shape, because their body has a shape. So similarly, our bodies have a shape because our souls have a shape. And when we become self-realized, or God-realized, then uh, our spiritual body manifests. And 
then we can do everything with our spiritual body that we can do with our physical body and more. But there's no pain. It's like you don't lose anything. Uh, you, you keep everything that you have in, uh, in, in, in your conditioned existence with your physical body, but there's no pain. It's not only pleasure. So, given that we have noticed, that, that we have to vacate, we should prepare where are we going to go? What are we going to do? And so, Krishna consciousness, bhakti yoga, means preparing for our next life. And uh, again, it's stated in the Bhagavad Gita, uh, those who are in the mode of goodness, who, who engage in pious activities, they, they can go to the higher material planets. Those in the mode of passion, whose activities are mixed, pious, and sinful, they can take birth again on a planet like the Earth. And those who are in the mode of ignorance, whose activities have been more sinful, they will take birth in an animal species, or they may be punished in a lower planet, a, a, a more hellish existence. Uh, there are 14 planetary systems, and the Earth is the seventh, which means it's sort of in between but a little on the lower side. It's getting, it seems to be getting lower. But <laughs> uh, more proportion of misery is increasing. So that is our uh, purpose here in Bhakti Yoga. And there are various processes in, in Bhakti Yoga. There are seven main ones. Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Patsayanam, and so on. But of those nine, three, the first three that are mentioned are the most important. Shravanam means hearing. That's what you're doing, you're hearing. Hearing talks about Krishna. Kirtanam means chanting or repeating what you've heard or glorifying Krishna. And smarana means to remember Krishna. If you chant nicely and hear nicely, then you will actually remember Krishna. And that's our goal, to always remember Krishna and never forget him. And if we remember Krishna at the time of death, we will go to, to Krishna, to the, to the spiritual kingdom of God. Um, and there's, you know, Krishna's name, form, qualities, pastimes, entourage, paraphernalia. There's so much to Krishna. But the most essential practice, if you can do that perfectly, you can become perfect in spiritual life is the chanting of the holy names of Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. We did that in the beginning. Very beautiful um, rendering of the Hare Krishna mantra in music. Uh, and that is kirtan. There's two kinds of chanting. It's a, I mean, chanting is all the same in one sense. But, and then there's quiet chanting called japa. So we have these bead bags, and in these bead bags we have our beads, our chanting beads. And on each bead, we chant the mantra once. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And we go on to the next beat. 
Some of them saw the light and they said, oh, the, the train is a light, and they left. <laughs> then they waited, and as the train got closer, they saw like there's an outline, and like, uh, you know, windows, and you could see the, the, the form of it. Sort of looks like a face in a way. So they said, oh, that's what, that's what a train is. It's this, it's this shape like a face. And then they left. But those who remained until the train stopped at the station, they saw, oh, there's like so many cars, there's so many people, there's so many activities. There, there's the, the, the passenger cars and the dining cars and there's the there's the engineer who runs the train, and the conductor collects the tickets, and there's a kitchen, and they saw there's like a whole life on board that train. So realization of that light, that's like Brahman, but just the light, the effulgence of Krishna. And just seeing the form, that's the realization of Paramatma, the Lord within the heart. They see the form, but not, it's not full realization. Full realization is the Lord with his devotees engaged in activities and uh, full life of the spiritual world. So that's our goal. And the Bhagavad Gita explains that not only is that uh, full realization achieved by bhakti yoga, but bhakti yoga is, is an easier and more pleasurable practice than the jnana yoga by which one could realize if one's lucky, if really perseveres, one could realize that much try to merge into the light. But that merging is compared to, it's actually called spiritual suicide. So people, people suffer so much in the material world, they want to escape. 
but then you know, let me merge and become one with that light, then I won't have to suffer anymore. But it's, it's like spiritual suicide. It's like if you're suffering, say you have some disease and you're suffering, and if someone says, well, I can slit your throat and you won't have to suffer anymore. Will you agree? No. So, so that's that idea. It's like a spiritual suicide, like to escape the suffering. And realization of Paramatma, the Lord in the heart, that's better. It's like at least you're seeing like the form of the train, the outline. But there's no personal interaction. I mean, there is. There's a little, but not like fully. So I mentioned this phrase, Satchitananda, eternity, knowledge, and bliss. So realization of, of Brahman, of the impersonal <coughs> is realization of the Sat feature, eternity. Realization of the Paramatma, the Lord in the heart, is realization of Sat and Chit. There's some knowledge also and eternity. But it's only in loving relationship with Krishna that one experiences Ananda, bliss. Uh, all three, Sat, eternity, Chit, knowledge, Ananda, bliss. So that's what you get when you practice bhakti yoga. And uh, it's easily performed and happily performed. Um, recently one of our devotees published something on Facebook. Um, you know, is that all right that I wish I didn't have to do do any work and I could just be with my friends and chant. Well, it is all right. That's our goal. In fact, once uh, one of Srila Prabhupada's disciples was um, giving, a little, give, giving a little explanation of what bhakti yoga was, Krishna consciousness. And he said, and this, the first part of the phrase, it came from Srila Prabhupada. It's chanting, <coughs> dancing, feasting, and philosophy. That's, what Prabhupada, that's how Prabhupada described it. So this disciple is saying, chanting, dancing, feasting, and philosophy, and a little work. <laughs> and Prabhupada interrupted him, and he said, no work. <laughs> so then the disciple said it's chanting, dancing, feasting and philosophy and a little, 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 little bit of work and Prabhupada again interrupted he said no no work <laughs> so that's our life <laughs> All right, thank you very much thank you are there any questions or comments? Yes, sir. What can, what can you tell us your name? Pedro. Pedro? Pedro. 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 Oh, Pedro. 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 Yeah, he's back. Um, you know that, for example, um, each one of us uh, can know what is our credit score or just an indicator that tells us how much gasoline we have in the car, but as far as karma, uh, is there any way we can know where our karma is? You know, uh, there's no indicator about that, or there's no way to <laughs> <laughs> it. Will be, it will be ideal to know. Uh, <laughs> well, um, that's a good question. There are actually four, um, you know, karma is divided in two categories, basically. Okay. Punya, pious activities, and pop, or sinful activities. And there are four pillars of sinful activities. And those are eating fish or eggs, 
taking intoxicants, even coffee, tea, and cigarettes, engaging in illicit sex outside of marriage. Uh, the other day, Basically, uh, a, a parent who's a devotee and whose daughter is uh, a devotee in her young 20s. So he brought up the question of dating. And uh, Ritapraja Swami deals a lot with youth. He has a lot of experience with them. But he, he quoted a, a, a Christian preacher who said, no wed, no bed. <laughs> so, all right, so, so coming back to these words, so no eating meat, fish, or eggs, no taking of intoxicants, no illicit sex, so if you can do without those, that's a very good uh, beginning. Now, before coming to Krishna consciousness, you or any one of us or all of us, we probably did engage in, in some of these activities. But the reactions to those sinful activities can be eradicated by surrendering to Krishna, by chanting the holy name of Krishna without offense. Now, if you think, oh, well, that's great. If I chant Hare Krishna, then I get absolved from sinful reactions. And then you purposely engage in some sinful activity, then you all just chant and get absolved. That doesn't work. That's an offense. But if, I mean, it's understood that before coming to the Association of Devotees, you will have engaged in, in those. But if you, you know, make an effort to give them up, sincere effort, and the chanting will help you, the association will help you, the hearing, the reading will help you, then um, your Past sinful activities, you get freed from those reactions. So yeah, there's, there's, there's good hope. Yes. Hi, I'm Brittany. My question is: uh, Last time you were talking about cultivating a higher taste, and that. Wow, that's loud. <laughs> uh, last time you were talking about cultivating a higher taste and how, you know, basically if you have a feast, you wouldn't want scraps. My question is, do we wait until we cultivate that higher taste to give up things that we're struggling with, or do we give it up and let it be bitter in the beginning and then sweet in the end? Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a very good question. So, she... She was referring to a verse I quoted last time from the Bhagavad Gita, Param Drishtvanivartate. That means that when you experience the higher taste of Krishna consciousness, then you lose your taste for inferior material things. It's, it's, it's automatic. And I gave the example, like if a poor man in India say, I mean, Say he all he has to eat are some dry chapatis. Sukhachapati. Dry chapati means without tea, without butter. So if you try to take that away, he'll protest because that's all he has. But if you offer him a nice plate of, of a feast with so many different items, and, and if you say, Well, if you give me that dry chapati, I'll give you this, definitely do it because it's something better. So that's the basic principle that we give up something less for something greater. And that's a, 
anyone would do that in any sphere of life. So she's asking that, okay, so if you develop the higher taste, then you'll naturally give up the lesser things. But she's also asking, but in the beginning you might not experience the higher taste. And, you know, so should you just make a conscious effort to give up some of the lower things? And yes, those, those sinful things, those four, you should, you should make a conscious effort. And in fact, those, uh, those sinful activities make it harder for us to relish the higher taste. So it's definitely uh, worth making that effort to give those things up. It's just like if, if, if someone is sick, he's convalescing, so certain he might want to eat certain things that are bad for him being in his disease condition. But he, he even though he still has a taste for those things, but he doesn't eat them because he knows it will just make him sicker and he won't be able to get better. But then when he's better, he can, he can eat anything. So that's the idea. Temporarily when they give, uh, yeah, give up some things without the higher taste, but by doing so, one will get the higher taste. Good question. Any other questions or comments? Yes, hey, hey everybody, I'm Tyler. Um, first what, of all, thanks what is for, your name? Tyler. Tyler. Yes, sir, thank you. Good. <clears throat> thanks for being here today, first of all. Uh, so, when, correct me if I pronounce it wrong, but when the My Body, is that correct? Yes. The My Body Yogis, when they achieve this merging with the Brahman, is, is their journey just done? Is that what you mean by spiritual suicide? Is they can never achieve anything beyond that because they've merged and they're just is gone or what does that mean can they come back from that or yeah this is a good question so when when an impersonal gyani or yogi merges the reason we say it's spirit spiritual suicide is because they're giving up their individual existence so this. but they can't really First of all, it's very difficult to actually attain that position, extremely so. But even if one does, it's, it's also even more difficult to maintain that position because they get bored. <laughs> Shiva Prabhupada <laughs> gives the example like you might be you might be on a boat and okay it's great well I'm away from the land I'm away from the city I'm away from all the problems you're just looking at the ocean it's sort of nice for a while because there's some relief but then after a while it gets gets a bit boring just looking at the ocean I mean, Maybe I should go back on the land and have some activity and variety. So yeah, there's a um, very, very beautiful verse in Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, which says that the impersonalists imagine that they are liberated. Vimukta Vimukta means liberated. Fully liberated, minding us. In their mind, they think they're liberated. But, patanti adat, they fall down again. Yashmat angraya, because they have neglected the service of your lotus feet. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's temporary and it's not. It's difficult to achieve. Once you achieve it, it's not that great. And, and usually after a while, you just fall down again. Anyway. 
Yes, John. I, I, um, I believe it's an example that Prabhupada gives, but I heard it first from our time, I always like this one, that um, if we ask somebody, do you think the sun is hot? You know, everyone would say, yes, of course it's hot. And you ask them, well, why do you think it's hot? Uh, they'll, if they're smart, they'll say, because I live in Texas, and I just go outside. And if they're not so witty, they'll say, because a scientist told me so, because that's, that's based on some element of faith, but first level is practical experience. And so the sunlight that you experience, the heat the experience in Texas, that's the effect of the sun. It tells us something about the sun. So if the sunlight is hot, then the sun has to be so much more potent, so much more hot, uh, so uh, a, a greater infinite degree of light and luminosity. So in this world, you find variety, you, have, you find persons, you find people. If you say that the source of this world does not have form or personality, but it comes out with form and personality, it's like saying the sunlight's hot, but the sun is cold. Yeah. yeah. As Prabhupada said, it's like we have form, we have personality, we have thoughts, we have feelings, we have desires. Uh, yeah, we, we, we have pastimes. And the one who manufactured us, he doesn't have all those things. Of course, he, he must have everything that we have and more. Yeah, he has everything that we have and more. And to an unlimited degree. Any other? Uh, okay, Chandra. Uh, also, uh, yesterday's point from David Rita Swami, I really appreciated that um, he mentioned um, uh, both the impersonal conception that if, if you think the world is false, then there is no, you can't say something is good or bad. There's no actual ethic if everything is just false. Or if you're not coming from like that impersonal idea if you're coming from an atheistic view that uh, the world is just uh, just is it just came uh, it's a mechanical uh, it's just a, a, a item of mechanics so there's no there's no uh, good or bad because it's all um, just coming you know something exploded and something you know something's eating the other thing so then to say oh, you should do this or you shouldn't do that is kind of pull, trying to pull meaning when your basis of your philosophy is that there's no meaning. Mm -hmm. So that you're you, uh, trying to say that you can have secular ethics, like, oh, you just, you just need the golden rule, um, treat others. Well, you don't actually have a basis of it in, in the philosophy that the person is thinking life is, how life is working. So you're saying that it has real-world implications. It's not just like a, a belief, but how, how you understand the world has real-world implications of how people behave in that. True. I don't know if you want to expand on that. <laughs> um, no, I, I think what we've been saying more or less does point in, to the fact that how we live our life has implications, and and, um, and we're basing our information on on what God Himself tells us. But even to some extent, if you decide the idea of God, uh, it's, it's logical and reasonable. Are there any other questions or comments? So what's next? Higher taste. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that means 
And this is also the higher taste, but yeah. continuing yeah. higher taste. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so does someone say the prayer? Or? So we do have, we have a song that's uh, often sung before eating sacred food. If anybody knows the song, please sing along. I think first I'll explain what it is. Oh, okay. yes. <laughs> yes. So, um, we're going to have prasad, spiritual food. Prasad means literally mercy. And it of course, it may appear like ordinary vegetarian food, but according to Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita, if you prepare food just for your own bodily nourishment or enjoyment, even if it's vegetarian, of course that's better, but even then, you're, you're eating sin, for eating lumps of sin. But he also says that those who eat the remnants of food offered in sacrifice to Krishna become freed from sin by that eating. So how the remnants of food offered in sacrifice to Krishna, how is that accomplished? It basically means that we cook with love and devotion for Krishna and offer it to him. We we're just discussing that we have senses. Krishna, who made us, must have everything that we have. So he also has senses. So he also eats. But his eating is so perfect and complete. Of course, he can eat and make all the food go away. But it's his mercy that after eating, he leaves the remnants as prasad. So that so the food that we're going to eat now is called prasad mercy. It's been prepared with love and devotion for Krishna, offered with love and devotion to Krishna. He has accepted it and he has spiritualized it. I had a colleague who was in the Peace Corps in India. And he went to temples in India where they give this food, which is called prasad. And it had its own unique, special essence or flavor, but not a material thing. And then he came to America after his tenure in the Peace Corps. And he visited an ISKCON temple and he had some prasad. And he noticed that same special essence in the, in the prasad he got in the ISKCON center as he experienced in the temples in India. So it's, 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 it's different. It is different. So that's what we're going to have now. So, um, I'll say a prayer. I'll, of course, we have our Sanskrit and Bengali prayers, but I think I'll say a, a, a translation of a prayer. In fact, you can repeat after me, so people would like go different, deeper and um, really participate. <coughs> it starts a little grim, but it should be. It should be. I mean, that's how it's supposed to be. Oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord. this material body, this this material material body is a lump of ignorance. Is a lump of ignorance. And the senses, and the senses are, a network of paths are a network of paths leading to death. Leading to death. Of all the senses, of all the, senses the, tongue the tongue is the most voracious and uncontrollable. Is the most, is the most voracious and uncontrollable. 
It is very difficult to conquer the tongue. It is very difficult to conquer the tongue. But dear Lord Krishna, but dear Lord Krishna, you are so kind. You are so kind. You have given us this nice spiritual food. You have given us this nice spiritual food. Prasad. Prasad. Just to conquer over the tongue. Just to conquer over the tongue. So let us take this prasada. So let us take this prasada. To our full satisfaction. To our full satisfaction. And in love. And in love. Call up the names of Lord Chaitanya and Nityananda. Call up the names of Lord Chaitanya and Nityananda. Jai Nimai Nithai. Jai Nimai Nithai. Mahaprasad So, enjoy. Yes. If I can ask one more question. Sure. Uh, where in the scriptures is, can I find that Sanskrit, the Sanskrit version? To learn what uh, uh, what the prayer. Yeah, the prayer of Jesus. Right. That um, that prayer is written by Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And it, it, it would appear in one of his books. He's written several books of poems. There's one Kitavali, uh, there's one Kalyan Kaptu. I'm not sure exactly which uh, book it's in, but we have our own uh, song books, song books, prayer books, so you could, you could find it there. Would it be in the, uh, I forget what it's called, but basically it's the book that uh, helps you uh, perform at home uh, by, by Srila Prabhupada, I forget what it's called. Um, sorry, I can't tell you what it's called, I can't remember. It might be. Are you talking about higher taste? No, no, it's not conscious for beginners? Yes, yes. But you, but it's not conscious for Yes, thank you. It is isn't thank you very much. Thank you. What is your name? Bharat. 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 Yeah. Bharat. It's for sure in the temple song book. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Bharat has said it's in Krishna Consciousness for Beginners. Um, what is Beginner's Guide to Krishna Consciousness. Beginner's Guide to Krishna Consciousness. Which Tyler has. Yes. So he's all set. <laughs> Shari Avij Jao Shari Avij